It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey there, welcome to NJCU in 10 presented by Knight Student Media. My name is Josh, I'm your host, and today I'm actually joined by the great Dykewell Haley from SGA, the president. Um, just introduce yourself for everybody who's listening right now. What's up everybody, it's yours truly, Dykewell Haley, the SGA president here at New Jersey City University. Excited to be here, Josh. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here, actually. Um, just for anyone who doesn't know, do you mind just explaining what SGA is and what they do around the university? Sure, no problem. So SGA stands for the Student Government Association. And you know, every time someone asks me this question, it's always really difficult to answer it because we do so much. Uh, but there's two sides of it that I see. The first is that our main job is to be the voice and representation for all students across this campus. And that's anything from advocating for student issues uh, to sitting on meetings with administrators and members of the board to help improve programs and systems on campus and then to propose new initiatives and ideas that'll help improve the campus climate and culture. The other part to my job is I get to oversee a $1.6 million budget annually in addition to 160 plus student leaders across our clubs, our organizations, um, and all levels of programming across campus. And essentially through myself and the executive board of student government, we make sure that everyone who's a student leader on this campus is doing what they're supposed to be doing, but also has access to all of the resources to do their job the most effective way possible. So, so you basically have a lot on your plate all the time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Always meetings, there's always something happening. Uh, there's a problem, I'm there. If there's a good thing, I'm there. It's just for everything, I got to be present. Yeah, definitely. So I know there's been this whole confusion around what's been going on campus for the last week, especially around all that stuff online. And we're not going to talk about that, obviously, just because it doesn't really deserve any more credit that it has. And I would really want to focus on your message rather than the actions that we're taking. So do you mind just like telling us what happened, but not necessarily like what the university did, just what happened and what were your problems with what was being said and how are we going to move forward and actually face these issues as a university, as one giant community? Of course, yeah. So the first thing I'll say is, just to make it clear for everyone, it's not just an NJCU issue. It's not just a college or university issue. It's a systemic and institutional issue all across this country in all sectors from education to housing to workforce, you name it, it's it's present in all these situations. And the issue is that, you know, people of color are disenfranchised no matter where you go, no matter who you talk to, no matter what rooms you step into because of systemic racism um, that stems from those who hold the most power here in this country. And what happened at the Board of Trustees meeting 
uh, last week on September 12th was just an example of that. You know, uh, Benjamin Roden, who's the vice president of enrollment management, he gave an update on where we were enrollment-wise. And we know that enrollment's low, and that's part of the reason that feeds into our financial emergency. And, you know, with that, you know, his data showed that there is a low enrollment all across the board, but there's a specific decline in our students of color, specifically with our male students. So our male students of color, which is those who are African-American, african or Hispanic and Latinx descent um, that they identify in those categories. Those particular students who are males, they they graduate at lower rates, they're retained here at lower rates, and they are admitted into NJCU at lower rates based off of applications. And once he gave that report, he opened it up for questions. uh, And he and the chair of the board uh, Mr. Joseph Scott, they exchanged some dialogue around, you know, the question from the board was, you know, why do we have an issue with male students of color and students of color and what NJCU and administration was doing to confront that issue? And for me, at least, just even having to ask that question uh, shows how tone deaf uh, members of our administration and board are because if you just look around our country, you can see why, you know, black and brown people in general are um, at such a negative advantage when it comes to trying to be successful, obtain resources they need uh, to grow and be prosperous. So that exchange happened back and forth for a few minutes. And then uh, at the time, it almost happened simultaneously. There was a student in the audience, a black student uh, who raised his hand. And I don't know whether he wanted to make a question or a comment in that moment, but he raised his hand to chime into the conversation they were having about, you know, black and brown male students. And he was a black male student. And so the board chair goes, you know, why don't we just, you know, hear from the black students we have here and see what they have to say. And, you know, there were some other people in the room who were trying to, like, let them know in the front that, hey, the student, his hand is raised, he wants to say something. Uh, But the secretary of the board, and to be clear, people you know, may have think that the secretary necessarily silenced the student, but it was also about the fact that the secretary of the board, he did his job and said, you know, that's not how the board meetings are structured. We have a policy of the sign up for public comment if you want to speak on an issue, so on and so forth. Uh, the issue I had was just that after the secretary of the board made that comment, it kind of ceased, and then the student got up and walked out of the room. But anyone who sits on the board, and specifically the chair of the board, has the opportunity to speak up and say, no, we'll allow the student to speak or the student will let him speak during public comment. That didn't happen. And so from the perspective of sitting in the audience, the student was kind of just dismissed. No, you can't speak and not given the option to speak at a later point or just educated on, you know, why that narrative was being shared at that particular moment. So the student left out. There was a staff member who followed them out. There was then two administrators who followed them out into the hallway and creating the scene and saying, oh, they should have heard you. They should have listened to you all these other things, and then the secretary of the board went out into the hallway, and which we later learned that the secretary of the board explained to him in detail what happened and why he wasn't able to speak in that moment and offered him the opportunity to speak later on in the meeting. And so while, you know, it was addressed and fixed an issue, in my comments during public comment, I sometimes speak in advance, I did share that, you know, we wait until something happens before we decide to respond and react. So, 
the imagery we saw during the meeting is what happens every day on this campus. It's a black student who wants something, who shows up somewhere, who asks a question. And instead of like someone taking the time out to care and explain to the student what's what, they just kind of almost dismiss them and say, no, you just this can't happen. And then now the student, you know, they're upset and now they're walking out the door and leaving. And now we everyone wants to go and run to the rescue and say, wait, wait, no, actually, this is what happened. That's what happened. I'm so sorry that happened to you. But everyone stood around, you know, as a bystander while this happened. And that's that's the issue, not because of the rules necessarily, not because of, you know, just the way things happen, just because everything comes at the last minute as a responding to, okay, this is what happened, and here's what, how we're addressing instead of let's be proactive and let's from the jump say, no, I'm going to take the time out now to explain to you why this can't happen or why this is this way and actually bother to listen to what you have to say or at least give you my reasoning and, and go from there. Uh, so that's, that's what happened, and that's when I knew that you know, I had to say something. So my initial public comment wasn't about that situation, I didn't know it was gonna happen, but it became about that. And then I wanted to make sure that I reiterated to the, the student body that whoever you are, whether you're black, white, Asian, Pacific Islander, you know, wherever you're from, if you have a voice and you wanna say something, you wanna ask a question, you wanna speak up about something, it should be heard no matter what. And if it's not, then, you know, come to student government and we'll make some noise and we'll make sure that your voice is being heard. And so that was the overall message, you know, that there's, there's a tone deafness amongst our administration and board who don't really understand what's happening with our students. And then, you know, there's always this react, reactory uh, impulse that comes, but never the proactive things that come into play. And then we wonder why we have low enrollment of black and brown male students. And it's because we don't take the steps ahead of time to make sure that they feel heard and represented and seen on this campus. And even when you look at the board itself, um, there's rarely anyone of color on that board. And those who are, you know, Latinx descent, unfortunately, they're white passing. And so you look at them, you would assume they're Caucasian or, or white, but you get their background, like, oh, no, they're actually, you know, Cuban or they're from another uh, Latinx, Hispanic uh, culture. But just the imagery itself, it's like no one looks how I look. No one seems like they share the same you know, ideologies and, and cultural beliefs and backgrounds and traditions as me. And so that within itself is also uh, off-putting. So that's the issue. You know, the tone deafness, the reactory, things that come after it, and then just still nothing happening on a day-to-day -to, -day to make sure that all students, but specifically of color and specifically the males, you know, feel valued on this campus. So on that point, what is SGA doing to help with that low enrollment or just to help those um, students that are like suffering, for lack of a better term? Uh, so it, that's a multi-part uh, answer there. The first part is we're assessing because from my view, I can only see what I can see. Um, and the rest of my team, we can only see what we can see. And so our, our main goal right now is to figure out what are all the issues happening across campus? And so we can figure out exactly what we need to advocate for and get to the root of things. I sat in a meeting last week and I found out that there's even, you know, some issues happening in athletics between coaches and uh, the ADs and members of different sports teams that are unethical and unmoral. And there are concerns there. And 
I don't know that because I'm not a student athlete. No one on my team is a student athlete, but it's important that I have conversations with student athletes so I can learn, so I can best advocate. So that's the first step is trying to go into all spaces, talk to all students, and get a sense of how everyone's feeling. And then step two, you know, you asked about enrollment. Yesterday we had a meeting uh, with Benjamin Roden, VP of Enrollment Management, and, you know, we we had a straight-up conversation about where we were, um, why enrollment is the way it is, why we don't have the retention where we want it to be, why we don't have admissions where we want it to be, why our transfer students have also declined. And the biggest thing that we found out is that there's no money that NJCU is dedicating for these specific issues, and that's why there's a lack. And so our next steps now are, for one, you know, tuition gets increased every year. So we've submitted a request to the CFO's office to see for every year, these past three years, when you've increased tuition, where has that money gone? And if it hasn't gone towards students, one, that's a problem. But two, you know, going forward, when you can increase tuition, we need to make sure that a percentage or X amount of money is being dedicated, not just towards students, but specifically addressing these enrollment issues and these student success issues that plague our campus that no one's really paying attention to. So following the money and then advocating that the money be allocated into the right places. That, those are our next steps. Yeah, because uh, recently NJCU has actually been, like they just increased tuition 3%, I believe, Correct. last year. And they also, not many people know this, they've also added fees to a lot of majors. Correct. So there's a lot of art degree majors. Mm -hmm. And then especially music, um, there's fees for like piano, practice rooms and then our canvas fees and a lot of people don't really know that and mm -hmm. they think it's okay but it's brand new so it really is where is where's all of this going to and i'm really happy to hear that you guys are actually focusing on that yes but um so let's say i am a student and i feel that something's being done and i don't like it how can we reach out to SGA and how can SGA help that student, you know, with that issue and hopefully solve the conf conflict? Yeah, so SGA, we try to make ourselves as available as possible. Uh, we have office hours where we're all in the office and it's posted on the website. It's posted physically on our door, the door of the Center for Leadership and Engagement on the first floor of GSEP 109. Uh, it's also on our Instagram at SGA and JC on Instagram. And so you can see who's in the office at what days and what times you can go in there at any point and find us. If we're not in the office, then we're somewhere in the building and one of our team members knows where we are. So that's the first step of how you can find us. Second thing is we're on Instagram. You know, I said the tag earlier, if anyone DMs us and reaches out and expresses that they, they need to talk or an issue, we're on the Instagram 24-7. We have a team that's constantly monitoring our um, social media feed. So if it comes in through there, we're on it immediately. Our emails are also public information. Anyone can email us at any given time. Um, we have monthly student council meetings. We have our first one coming up on September 26th from 2 to 4 p.m. Uh, in G-Sub Lobby. So anyone who comes out to that, and those meetings don't run like our board meetings. So at any point, if a student wants to say something, they're able to do so. Uh, and if they catch me anywhere on campus, you know, I can be in my room and someone knocks on a door and just wants to rant and vent about something. I make myself available. Uh, so even though we have dedicated office hours, my team and I, we understand that being on student government is like a 24-7 job because we're, we're, we're constantly moving and working. Uh, so if you see us, if you stop by the office, email or hit us up on Instagram. Those are really the best ways um, to reach out to us. 
Perfect. And going forward, what are your plans for SGA? Maybe towards the end of this semester and even going into next semester, because I know you guys want to be more proactive and not reactive. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that you can tell us about the future that we should know about or we should be excited about? Definitely. So uh, we have some really dynamic student leaders that are not just myself and not just the executive board. Uh, but we have two groups of students going to be really, really strategic and helping to like move the needle forward on specific issues. And that's one, our student senators, and that's two, our board of trustee representatives. So both groups of students serve on administrative level uh, positions on campus, and they're all on committees that address specific needs and concerns. So our student senators, we have 12 student senators. Um, six of those 12 have voting power at our monthly Senate meetings, and they're all broken up into different committees. So our academic affairs committee, student affairs committee, uh, there's a elections committee, there's a uh, like general education course committee. I don't know all the committees off the top of my head. And so each of those students are specifically in different areas and they're working constantly in between each public Senate meeting to address issues and then come to the Senate meeting to make a resolution and pass it. So our goal is to be really intentional about those students in those spaces and saying, hey, you're in this space. We want you to make sure that you know, if this is a student affairs, that you're talking about housing and you're working with the staff and faculty who are on this committee, you bring them the concerns, they kind of have that extra understanding and knowledge of how to like best address this in a public forum and to make a resolution to acting President Kroll and the rest of the administration um, so we can kind of address this moving forward. So that's one piece that we're going on. The Board of Trustees, uh, the board, and just for context, their job is to oversee the president of the university. And so the president answers to the board, and then the president's job is to run everything else. So if the president isn't doing right, then the board has that opportunity to step in. So our board of trustee representatives, they're on that level in an advisory capacity and also helping to oversee the president of the university. So they have access to confidential information. They know a diver, a, a, a deeper dive into all the numbers and financial data that we don't know about and see behind closed doors, and they can be in there and really advocate for what we're trying to push on our level. More money allocated uh, towards enrollment and retention and admissions and student success. And so they know where the numbers are going specifically, and they're in the rooms when that planning is happening. And so it's really about trust, building trust among student leaders and coming all together to push the same agenda together. And so while we're all on our different levels working and pushing and advocating, um, it's just about everybody just showing up and putting in that work. So I'm excited for that because everyone's showing up to the table and they're ready. Um, and it's just, it's up to us to keep showing up, you know, and keep putting in the work. And it, it gets discouraging because I've been in the roles of both being a student senator, of being on the board of trustees. And so it is discouraging at times, but it's so essential. Um, and I'm really excited to see the outcomes of it. And we're we're measuring the work that they're doing, so they have to give us reports every month of what meetings you guys had in your roles, who did you meet with, what are you discussing and bringing up, and how you're doing that. And so we can measure, all right, this is working, this isn't working, we're not yielding the results that we want, so we need to try a different angle as well. So as students then, how can we best support and help SGA in achieving these goals? 
what is there that we can do? Is it just to show up? Do you want us to say things certain what times? Repost? I know that's a big one. Yeah, just spread yeah. word. Like, you guys already have the IG handle. Follow mm-hmm. that page because a lot of news doesn't come from the university itself. A lot of it really does come from you guys. And that's how I learn about activities on campus and mm-hmm. how to be involved on campus. But I would like to hear like what you want to say and how we can best support you guys. Definitely. Uh, repost is number one. Uh, follow, I'll say the Instagram again. It's at SGANJCU on Instagram. Repost is probably the, the most important thing and paying attention to our pages. Number two, uh, you'll see emails that come out from me, and sometimes they're a little lengthy, but I promise you I, I'm really specific about the information I send out because it's important that everyone's on the same page about what's happening. So as long as the emails might be, and I really try not to make them too long, but read them in their ent- entirety because the information is really important for all students. Showing up is also very important. Um, and, and if you can speak up when you show up as well, that's even better. But I understand, you know, some students, they, they, they're just not up for speaking up. And if you want to speak up, then, then by all means, do that. Uh, but showing up is really important. And, and it's that's because historically student government, you know, it's always been the president and maybe two or three other student leaders who would go to these meetings and, you know, they would really like voice their opinions and concerns, but it would fall on deaf ears because it was just two or three students and it's always the same two or three students. And I don't mind being the spokesperson. I don't mind sp- uh, speaking up, but it's more important that the board and administration actually can see the faces of the students that are impacted by their decisions or the lack thereof. So showing up to board meetings, as boring as they might seem, showing up to Senate meetings, as boring as they might seem, just being in the room and present shows that, okay, so the students actually do care. It is These are the students that I'm impacting. If it's just the same two or three faces, they say, oh, okay, that's just Thyquel or that's just Laney or that's just, you know, Marco or whoever on the executive board. But if we have 100 students that are pulling up to the Board of Trustees meeting, 100 students that are pulling up to the campus conversations, 100 students that are going to the Senate meetings, and it's like, wow, we have a room full of students, and the students are outnumbering our faculty and staff here. You know, maybe I do need to do something. You know, maybe, and especially if, like, 20 of those 100 students are speaking, then, yeah, it's, it's like a, a clear indication that they need to to step up the game. Uh, and they don't—not that they don't take us seriously, but but we've seen, even it hasn't been directly said, you know, that we're not taken seriously if we just show up with a small group of students. Uh, so showing up, and then, listen, if you want to be vocal— by all means, do it. We empower all student voices, but we also want to make sure that in the context that students are speaking, that they're well informed about whatever topic that they're really concerned about. Because I'm not the best, or student government's not the best for like sharing all information that we know, but if there's an issue about housing and someone's complaining about co-op being closed, uh, there's a reason for that, and we can explain that to them. And they can still go ahead and advocate as to why it's cloud closed, but we're going to make sure that they have all the details first so they're not just going there and sound like a student that's yelling and screaming. They're sounding like an informed student who's done their research, who knows the number and facts, and just throwing it back in their face and say, I know this, but you can still do this, but you're not. Now what? Instead of just saying, you're not doing this. Why? You know, I, I've like, we, we want students to be really, really – it, well, I call it civic engagement. You know, in order to be civically engaged, 
you you have to know civics. You have to know what you're engaging in. And so that's at our student council meetings, on our Instagram, in those long emails, that's the part where we're, we're educating and informing. And so then it's up for students to take what we give them and run with it. So you guys heard it here. Be active. Yeah. Show up to these meetings. Please. Share your concerns, <laughs> man. Like nothing can get done unless they hear from you. He's only one guy. Yeah. He's only like two boards. Like <laughs> you really do have to show up. And, you know, it might be scary or something like that. But if you really believe in actually solving something, you will put it together and we will try to make a difference here on campus. That way everyone just has a better overall collegiate experience. And on that note, um, I just want to wrap up with this last question. Um, what's the one thing that being at NJCU has taught you? And it doesn't have to be related to professors mm -hmm. or classwork. It's just the environment, the community, maybe even SGA. Like, what's the one lesson that you've gotten from here that you don't think you could get anywhere else? So that's a good question. <laughs> I'd say the one lesson I got here I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else is finding my voice. Um, and I, I don't say that as a cliche or in light of everything I just shared earlier, but really getting a chance where I'm in a space where there's people who have shared ideas and values as me. There's people who respect me and will listen to me, contrary to, you know, administration, but just friends, uh, advisors, um, people who work here, professional staff, finding those people that really care about investing in me and being empowered to use my voice. And it's not always about speaking up, but sometimes it's just about showing up or like it's giving my input on something in a small group or a small meeting. Um, and I feel like I, I couldn't have gotten that anywhere else because I had aspirations to go to much larger schools with much larger populations. And very easy could I have just become a number, you know, a data point, a, a statistic on paper. But here I feel like, you know, that the students, like we get to relate and they see me, the, the people that work here, you know, they get to relate and they can see me and like I'm not just a number or a name on the paper, I'm an actual person. And I feel like that experience, I couldn't have gotten anywhere else. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. Um, and I'll be really, you know, frank and say this, that NJCU is my last choice uh, coming to, it wasn't on the top of my list, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm really happy that you know, my own life story worked out in the way that I'm here. Uh, and I, I share this all the time that my first day on campus, I was still in high school. I was a month away from graduating. I came for my placement exam and my campus tour. And from that day, I felt like, you know, I was at home, just a sense of community here. And I, I felt like, you know, people actually see me for the first time in my life. And that's why I stayed. You know, I, my mentors told me that I needed to transfer after my first or second year, go to a different school. But I stayed because of the sense of community, the sense of respect I found here, um, and just you know finding my voice and getting getting a way to amplify it. Like I'm I'm sitting here on this podcast with you, but if you would have asked me f five years ago in high school if I would have saw myself doing this, I would have said no. And that's just because NJSU offers unique opportunities that other schools uh, don't provide. Well, you heard it here first, guys. 
Um, thank you to Thyquel for coming. Of course. Thank um, you for having me. Please shout yourself out if you want to do the Instagram handle again. How can people reach you or see you around? Definitely, definitely. So follow SGA on Instagram. It's SGANJCU. You can also follow me personally if you want to reach out about something private or direct. I don't oversee the Instagram. My marketing uh, person does that. But if anything specific, you want to reach out to me. My Instagram is my, my name, T-H-Y-Q-U-E-L underscore on Instagram. Just my first name to underscore on Instagram. You can hit me up. Uh, I'm up late and early. <laughs> uh, and I'll try to respond as fast as possible. But I'm here uh, to dedicate my time and my, my, my tenure left here uh, for the betterment of students. All right. Well, there you have it, everyone. Thank you for listening. This was uh, NJCU in 10 presented by Knight Student Media, produced, edited and mixed by Josh Nieves, obviously. <laughs> um, music by David Bariga and Anthony Tavares. And we'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.